magic, murder, problematic misogynistic undertones? Join us as we delve into one of Britain's best-loved TV shows. So grab your duffel coat, don your curly wig, and dig up that 90s character actor as we welcome you to Podcast Macabre, the Jonathan Creek Podcast. Hello and welcome back to Podcast Macabre, the Jonathan Creek Podcast. Welcome back guys, and today uh, an actress was stabbed by a jealous woman, and uh, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, you can find us on Twitter <laughs> at... I mean, there's... In that, in that essence, it should be a short episode, <laughs> because that's what happened. That's what that's all that happened. Uh, an actor in the West End production of a fictional musical was stabbed by someone, by the, by the current partner of a man she used to date, uh, and that was it. I know it's... And she um, lived. I know it's, you know, the hook of, uh, of Jonathan Creek is the mystery and the, and the, the joy in, as an audience, trying to work out maybe how it yeah. was done, and then that, that, uh, kind of satisfaction <laughs> of, uh, learning when Jonathan does the reveal at the end but wouldn't it be so much better if the audience knew how it was done from the beginning oh no no it wouldn't it would be a waste of all of our time what on earth is, is happening uh, uh, what I, I was saying to you just he just doesn't started, care he doesn't care anymore yeah. does he he just doesn't care doesn't he doesn't care, care. there's I, I think this confirms my long-held theory that I have explored a couple of times uh, in this podcast that David Rennick thinks the reason why everyone watches Jonathan Creek is because it's laugh out loud hilarious <laughs> and that the the mystery things are only really little extras. <laughs> that, that he, I think he thinks he's written a comedy masterpiece. So therefore, he's just gone, oh, well, doesn't matter if there's not a mystery for anyone to work out because they all watch it for the laughs anyway and are in it for the lols. Which, 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 which is, if it's true, is really, really depressing. Like... It's it's tough because there's one part of me that sort of is like, well, you kind of have to applaud him for trying something different okay, in a way. Yeah. But I feel like by the time you've written it and you've done the take first table read, mm-hmm. everyone and everyone from the BBC and all the producers would have gone, this is a terrible idea. It doesn't work. Don't do it. And don't do it. Yeah. Like that's that's why... Uh, uh, that's why I'm not cutting him slack because okay, fine, you wanted to shake it up, but but surely before it got to this episode airing, so many people would have realised what a mistake this was because you just don't care. You don't care when you're watching the scenes because you go, well, I don't like. He's trying to guess things like and work out things, and there's this other guy that we'll come to that's kind of getting things. But wrong. we know what's happened. But we know what's happened. So it's all just. It's just delaying the inevitable. It, it's just weird. It's so weird. It's really odd. It totally removes you from it. Um, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we should probably walk you through it anyway. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, why not? So um, we're at the theatre. We're at the theatre. We're at a West End theatre, which, we, you know, Rennick loves to set everything at a theatre. or in, You know, in the West End of London. Despite not knowing anything, evidently, <laughs> yeah. about how theatre works. And also... <laughs> Every time 
that there's an actor yeah. as a character. They're awful people. Yeah. And I'm like, David Rennick he hates hate, the theatre. And he, he hates, hates musicals. He hates actors. Specifically hates, musicals. Hates and he just wants to be working for a, a mid-scale advertising company. I think that's what Rennick wants to do. Yeah. You're right. That's, yeah. that's what he wants to do. Um, so, yeah, we, yeah, you're quite right. We open at the theatre and it's the press night for a production of a musical called The Yellow Room, which is based on... Uh, the novel by uh, Gaston, Gaston LaRue. LaRue. Um, right. So, yeah, this is stupid. I mean, it's it's very obvious that he's trying to draw... So, for those who don't know, Gaston yeah. LaRue wrote Phantom of the Opera, the original book. Yeah. Um, and he also wrote The Yellow Room, which is yeah. widely considered the first locked room mystery. Yeah. So if you're going to set a, a... You know, there to be a fictional musical... I can see why he's gone, oh, this fits both the crime thing and the musical theatre link. I mean... I'm. I've actually written later on in my notes that David Rennick. I'm. I would put money on that he saw Phantom. Yeah. The night before he wrote this. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not just this connection. It's the scene with the gondolier that happens later on. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that there's someone drops down from the flies hanging themselves, which is that yeah. like just towards the end of Act One of Phantom. Like there's. Like, I'm like you've literally just seen Phantom. Oh, there's a line in, got... in the in the show as well where yeah. when we're seeing clips of the show. Um, and our kind of lead, um, played by Ali Bastian, um, who I always kind of fancied a little bit, actually, mm. as a kid. She's done quite a lot of things the bill. Remember? Yeah. And I always thought, oh, she's... Uh, I don't anymore. Um, but, you know, you, you can't be in love with anyone who's been in this episode, sadly. Even Sarah Alexander can. Okay, right. I'm not... I'm just really ridiculous. <laughs> Sarah Alexander is above... <laughs> Uh, above everything but um, she says oh what phantoms may lie in this wall I'm like what what are you doing what are you doing like why is there a gondolier scene in a musical about a locked room mystery that was an actual real novel like that was a good thing you got you based on a good thing why are you now just putting a putting a load of smoke on stage in the gondola because you saw Phantom of the Opera last night I think you're right but the weird thing is he get he does it obviously as a sort of uh, homage or a little wink to Phantom, it's obviously. I mean, deliberate. a big, big wink, a big, big arrow it's pointing. Deliberate. But he's also got it wrong because, okay, I don't want to jump ahead. So, so we see this musical. Too much of it, far too much of it. Yeah. Um, uh, and interspersed between seeing like literally like a whole number from this show, um, uh, is Jonathan getting into a fight with someone that's uh, uh videoing it on his phone. Yeah. Like weirdly, like. Uh, I, luckily, I've I've never actually come across anyone uh, um, uh, illegally trying to pirate record. Oh, have you not? A show uh, in real life. Um, but oh, I, would I see imagine, it all the time. Really? I oh, mean, I mean, I see people musicals, sneak photos. People are filming bits, um, but they don't. Yeah, get but I've I've, I've never seen anyone like film the whole thing continually through. Um, and it's and I feel like if they did, they'd be surreptitious and then be a bit sheepish if they got caught. But this guy. Is angry at Jonathan for disturbing his filming of. I'm like, that's a weird position to have. Yeah. Um, Although I, I, I absolutely wouldn't surprise me, um, because it's it's so common. Like, yeah, yeah, it it is it is shocking because it's not because it's not seen as pirating for them. They're just like, no, I just want to show my friends I was here. It was like, how about you remember be here, remember it, and then tell people about it, and then tell them to go and see it. But they don't think of it as as like pirating because they're not going to profit off it. Yeah. I think if they were going to profit off it. Then they'd one. It would be a terrible recording, but but they they might be more surreptitious about well, it. Well, well, no. I mean, I mean, ones that 
that do record the whole because sh- they're not recording a whole show to show their friends they might record bits or take photos no but, but when he's recording friend- like i don't know 30 seconds of a number a minute of a number yeah and he keeps getting interrupted by alan davis yeah I, yeah it's i think it's like a it's like a ramped up version of what happens isn't yeah it? um but i mean uh, there there is a big culture of, of people recording full shows to for profit to put them up online mm, and, and, yeah and stuff um but uh yeah it was just an, it was just odd that he was was annoyed at jonathan for doing the right thing it's filming yeah. um uh and then and then so it cuts and they're going backstage and jonathan's clearly been punched in the face he's icing his side of his face um and now and he's not just been punched in the face he's he's been bitten in the neck oh yes yeah, 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 yeah. which is Three, the yes. weird yeah, went, thing so yeah, he's he got went, ice he's got an ice cream on his eye you must have known punched. that would lead to you biting in the neck or something sarah's yeah. a weird line about it why um, and she just thinks he's ridiculous for yeah. for having an issue with it yeah and for some reason like you say like the ushers yeah. aren't involved the yeah. other guy hasn't been escorted like oh, now right this is what i want to come to jonathan they're there they're to meet a client of the, theirs. The producer. The, the is... producer is a client of their ad company. Yeah. And and whilst they're waiting, Jonathan um starts moaning about the show and this is where we learn what mm-hmm. it is. And he says, you know, and he says, Yellow yeah, room is brilliant, you know, and it's been kind of bastardized into this all thing and now if you're gonna make it a parallel, a very obvious parallel to Phantom of the Opera the whole thing about fan, the whole thing about Gaston Leroux is he is not a celebrated author. Yeah. He's known as being a very mediocre late nineteenth century writer that wrote like quite bad pulp fiction. Well, and, I think actually the Phantom... Yellow Room was was serialized. It was a magazine. Yeah. You know, it, it was kind of uh, yeah. He wasn't yeah. a literary great. And like the the whole one of the famous things about Phantom of the Opera the musical is the way that Lloyd Webber took this kind of derided um, book. And turned it into this absolute um, kind hit. of smash hit. Now, obviously, there'd been, um, you know, the, uh, uh, the Lon Chaney films and the old Universal black and white horror films that, that, that had used the story as well mm. beforehand. But the, but the point is always the original source material isn't that great, and Gaston Leroux isn't a brilliant writer. So, so if you're like, so why, so that doesn't make, so that makes me think that Jonathan doesn't know what he's he's meant to be shown as being uh, this sort of intellectual that's like, oh, the book's so much. But like the whole the whole thing, if David Rennick bothered doing a, a minute of research, <laughs> yeah. is that that wouldn't be the case because that's if you're doing a phantom parallel, it's, it's the opposite. So that bugged me. But then also like, at the same example. time, Devil's Advocate a little bit. Jonathan might like it because it's the first locked room mystery, and he's made his life out of solving locked room mysteries up until recently. Yeah, but that's but that's not what he says, is it? He's saying he's it was saying says it's a great picture. piece of work. Yeah, which... yeah, and 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 he said and he says it's been it's been um, condensed down or, or words to that effect. And I was like, I, I just yeah, I mean, fine, maybe maybe he does think that, but it's just mm. difficult. Also, you know... bear in mind, you quite like Phantom of the Opera, don't you? And yeah. I really don't like Phantom of the Opera, so it's it maybe that's a little bit of taste in there as well. Um, I just also just think the parallels silly. But it's also silly that their medium-sized p- PR company are coming to see this show and he gets bitten and then she's all speaking in French and now Polly Creek, played by the wonderful, beautiful Sarah Alexander, it's, yeah. is fluent in French. And it kind of, like, there's no acknowledgement that Alan Davis, that, that Jonathan Creek is a showbiz guy. Like, no, she... Yeah, it, we, which is really odd. Like he's used to being in theatres. He yeah. 
is a celebrated theatre, West End theatre director. He directed Adam <laughs> Kalsher, then moved into television, live shows, yeah. has directed television. And uh, reg- all of this, reg- nothing to do with his crime-solving stuff. No. He's, he was like the top of his game. He, he, more, he was more successful in, in the world of entertainment and theatre yeah. than Sarah Alexander is at PR. So yeah, I, do, I don't yeah. know why there's kind of... He's <laughs> ambling around the corridor like he doesn't really know what to do with himself. Like... No, you, you probably played this theatre loads of times. Yeah, yeah, um, and and know it backwards, considering you you also do all the jobs and all your shows. Yeah, so that I found, I just found that a, a little bit annoying. Um, and then uh, the, the, the 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 actor um, uh, Ali Bastian and yeah. I can't remember the name who who plays the um, her kind of leading man. Yeah, are kind of walking down towards the stage door, moaning about all the things that went wrong, yeah. and they're moaning about the gondolier. Which again, this is straight lift from Phantom. Yeah. Um, not working properly, and how the stagehand doesn't know how to use a screwdriver, and uh, and then the producer says, "Oh, don't worry." Uh, in like his heavy French accent, I we're gonna do it all at technical rehearsal tomorrow, ten o'clock. Um, and then they say, and she says to Sarah and Jonathan, uh, yeah. Alexander and Jonathan Creek, um, "Hey, why don't you come along and watch?" Which is a weird thing to, to yeah. say to someone when you're PR. Yeah. She's like, why don't you come and do this? I'll give you loads of yeah. stuff to to who, write about. I've just seen the show Quite a itself. bad show. Um, yeah. And they say, oh, no, we can't tomorrow because we're out of town, aren't we? We're off to have Sunday, Sunday lunch. Sunday lunch. Like, yeah. Right. So they're having a technical rehearsal yeah. after the press night of, of, a, of a musical that's running yeah. on a Sunday. On a Sunday, yeah. Okay. We'll just leave it at that for now. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I but mean, again, it's going to cost so much money. As we know, David Rennick doesn't know how theatre works. Yeah. Um, or he does and he doesn't care. Like, again, this is what's really start- starting. Uh, what annoys me about David Rennick uh, is, like, he just... It's just so brazen that he couldn't care less about continuity. That He'll just say times and days and periods of time and he couldn't care less now i now can forget it yeah he couldn't care less if it adds up like it's just the la- it's and, I, and i'm starting to get quite insulted by it because it feels like he thinks that his audience are too stupid to notice yeah. that's what it feels like it just feels it's lazy it's very lazy and, and i just don't arrogant. understand how the bbc are, are letting this happen yeah like it's like it's really hard to like like i know i know we're being pedantic but i don't feel like it should be like oh come on guys just like be less pedantic about this because i'd be like well it's so easy to make those little things correct (laughs) yeah and surely that would be better it'd be better for there not to be anything to be pedantic about why should we yeah like lower our expectations of, 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 a, <laughs> of a prime time BBC show using, using the license fee. Um, yeah, no, I think we should be holding it to account. Um, so then, do they? They am I right in saying that we before we go back to the technical rehearsal? Do we have a little bit of Jonathan and uh, Polly going off to the countryside? Well, well, well even before that, we get um, uh, uh, Ali Bastian leaving, uh, and she says, she says goodnight to the stage door guy and yeah and um i've just written stage door creeper <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh because he does this very yeah kind of creepy look yeah um and then he we see him get home yeah and into bed with with his partner yeah um don't know if it's put it down married or if they're not who, who, who it is um 
And she says, oh, working late again. I'm like, well, yeah. well do you not, know his, jo- like, do you not yeah. know his job? Like, surely he's the same time as he always, because yeah. he's... He works he's from six sustained. till midnight every yeah. every night and of the week. What, like, what a weird, th- like, again, why don't you understand what a stage, like, it's not mm. like he's working late at the office. Those are the, mm. the shift that he does. Yeah. So, stupid line. Um, And then, again, it does that weird thing that Jonathan Creek likes to do, where it sort of moves forward in time but probably about, about 30 seconds about 30 <laughs> seconds to a minute of them from them kissing and it then cuts time passes into the middle of them having sex yeah I'm like okay right so we're not that much further on i don't um, think we needed it i didn't i, no, don't, I didn't did want it not, didn't, oh, i was just like, like no it was ener- energetic um, it was very it was it was it was it felt quite sort of graphic for jonathan creek it felt yeah even though even though we've had actual naked bosoms we have had uh, yes nipples featured yeah um uh, it still felt mine i don't quite know why um and halfway through she says to him stop 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 get off me get off me and he's like what and she says i'm it's like i'm not even here anymore you're thinking of her again you've got to get her out of your head presumably presumably ali bastian's character because we've She's called something Pirelli, isn't she? G- Juno Pirelli. Juno Pirelli. I mean, also, Pirelli. Why is she called Pirelli? Pirelli. Like, stop listening to musicals when you write I, this. I think it's because she's uh, Italian. <laughs> oh, no, Pirelli. she's not. Um, <laughs> Nonsense. Watching Formula One, maybe, as well. Oh, God. Um, um, so, yeah, yeah. So, then, yeah, you're quite right. We go to some stables yeah. out in the country... Jonathan is wearing the most ridiculous riding hat I've ever seen in my life. It's bigger yeah. than any... It's, like, comically big. Well, it's meant to and, be. And I was like, is it yeah. because he's got a lot of hair? Is that the gag, that he's got to have a bigger helmet because of all his big curly hair? I think it's because David Rennick's just put in the stage directions uh, comedy business with hat and helmet. It's, and, but, it's, but it's just stupid because it's not... It doesn't go in... Like, it's not really acknowledged. No. It's just a... It, so I'm just like... what. Is that normal? Could you just not or get one? Because that that's the biggest hat I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so weird. He's, they're riding ponies, uh, Jonathan and um, the daughter of Polly's friend, uh, played by Raquel Cassidy. Yeah, Raquel Cassidy, um, who you might remember as being Jack D's wife in Lead Balloon. I, I, do you know, I didn't actually, but I remembered her from Teachers. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, um, Teachers as well, and of course, <laughs> of course. What most of you will know her from is, of course, she was in an episode of Hustle. That's <laughs> where you're all... There's another Hustle crossover. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know. This is a friend of Polly's, right? Yeah. It's Polly's friend yeah. in the country. And Polly's saying, you know, to Raquel, oh, whilst, uh, you know, Jonathan's horse riding behind on a pony and a big hat. Um, or oh, are you kind of thinking about moving back out to the country? And Polly's saying, yeah, yeah, we're going to move out to the country. I, I thought I wasn't going to, but, you know, growing up here, you know, I thought I'd, um, it's about time. She also says something about Jonathan not being too sure. Mm. And and I think she says something about the fact that she's grown up in the country, so she understands. And I'm like, well, Jonathan <laughs> you know, lived in a windmill. <laughs> In the middle of the countryside. In the middle of the countryside. For years and years. Well, no, for, because it's his parents' windmill. Yeah. So he's lived there forever. Whole life. He's lived there his whole life. Stop forgetting things you've already put into it. And again, it just didn't... It wasn't... It's totally unnecessary. Yeah. You just don't need to mention it. But yeah. now you've mentioned it, I'm going to pull you up on it. Yeah. Because it's wrong and you set the rules of... How, how, uh, 
So, yeah, there's a weird thing about that. Um, and how it's like she's pulling the city boy out of the city. It's like, yeah, that's not, not what's happening. Um, and we learn that uh, Raquel Cassidy is very kind of, very posh, obviously rich enough to have ponies and horses mm. and land. Um, and she spoils her daughter. Yeah. So her daughter has a very, quote unquote, vivid imagination um, because there's a whole big to do where she run her daughter runs away from Jonathan screaming and crying and says that he he's cut the head off her pony. Yeah. And it's because he took a photo and he th- said that he'd cut the head out yeah. um, of the photo. And she thought it meant. Yeah, but she didn't really because before this, we've had a story about how the little girl, uh, her imaginary friend, got killed last week. Polly was like, "What do you mean?" She was like, "Oh, she was out with her imaginary friend, and a dragon came down and burnt it to cinders." And there was this big long monologue that Raquel, Raquel, Raquel Welsh, Raquel Cassidy did about um, the the dragon killing the. I'm like, okay, we get it. Yeah, we get that you're overprotective. But I don't understand how this girl doesn't understand what's happened with the photo. And let's like, it's not, it's not a two year old who can't speak. Yeah. It's like an eight year old little girl. Yeah. Like, yeah. Totally. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. But she runs off screaming um, and they blame Jonathan. They blame Jonathan. Yeah. Um, and then uh, as they go off inside, um, uh, Raquel Cassidy mentions something about her older son coming from university who's called Ridley. So her daughter's called Ripley mm-hmm. and her son's called Ridley. And Jonathan says, after Raquel Cassidy's gone, Jonathan says, oh, Ridley and Ripley. Oh, no prizes for guessing what her favourite film is. And as they walk in, you see that the house is called the Nostromo. Yeah. Now, there's favourite film and then there's like weirdly obsessed with Alien. Obviously, clearly like, like, very obsessed like, with Alien. Like to the point of like, I think you might need some help. Yeah. Like... You've named your son after Ridley Scott, your daughter after Ripley. You've named your house after the spaceship. In it, like, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? Remember that because at the very end of the re- the episode, mm-hmm. there's going to be a callback to it. Yeah, and I want to discuss then yep. the type of reaction we might expect from someone who's obsessed who's with obsessed that film. Yeah, yeah, or or not. So yeah, remember that. Hold on to that nugget. Um. So then, yeah. So then we are into tech. We go back to the technical rehearsal, which is the next. The next day, so it's Sunday. It's yeah. the same. Well, the same time. It's, it's sorry, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so it's, it's it's yeah, it's the same day as that we've just uh, seen. as the yeah. as the Sunday lunch in the country um, at Nostromo. So yeah, so they are having a uh, tech of the gondolier, and it's um, all going wrong. Yeah, and I'm like, but like, because I I got confused because I said to you like, it feels like this is the first time they've tried it out, but it can't be. Yeah, but I like, but like, how can it be? How can it be this wrong? Like, if you've got, if you've gone, if you've gone through all of previews, which in the West End can be anything from up to about a month before you've gone to press night, which is the night that's just happened, and it's this like, like, has it been going this wrong all through? Unless, unless they weren't there at the press time. Because it's very rare that a press night would be on Saturday. Normally it would be during the week no, because see, the press don't get there on a Saturday. You see, I thought that. It's I, been running for at least a week. I thought that. I thought that. But it's post-press night, isn't it? Because she, um, Ali Bastian, makes a comment about reviews. So it's, so it's after the press night. Absolutely. Again, he puts little details in that that, that screw him up even more than he needs later. to. Because she didn't need to talk about no. reviews. But the minute she talks about reviews, we now have an idea of the longevity of of that show. Yeah, and I know people that aren't in the theatre world might not make that connection. So I appreciate that we're going to be 
picky. more attuned to that because that's just where our brains are. It's our jobs. But um, uh, even so, like again, just if you don't gratuitously need to, bad Gonzo why? acting uh, and with with props going wrong. Um, I mean, I suppose the other thing is Phantom's famous for having a lot of technical problems. Yeah. Um, in fact, when I saw it, there was a we had to stop the show because the chandelier really? wouldn't work. Yeah, I mean, oh, it's, cool. it's famous for for it and i lived I, through that cliche i love but, um um richard still go who says um so obviously the thing about the chandelier is that it can't go particularly fast because of health and safety yeah and still go says um he says i think they, i think we should just the four seats where the chandelier crashes towards yeah. like, sell them for a pound and just let it just go <laughs> yeah <laughs> brilliant <laughs> brilliant idea um yeah so they're, they're, everything's going wrong now the other thing about this i'm sorry i thought we were going to move on then i realized that we, we're not because we are pedants they're they're doing this technical rehearsal at 10 30 a.m on a sunday yeah and they're doing it in full costume yeah very weird i mean i don't know who, unsafe I don't know who their equity rep is but he's yeah. gonna have a busy day on monday so they've, had, they've been paid overtime they've also been paid their 15 minutes in and out of costume yeah uh they've also started at 10 30 which is where where you'd like coffee break on a tech day so i mean like okay you paid through that then then you've got a full orchestra yeah a full yeah. orchestra in in dinner jackets. Yeah. Why are the orchestra in in DJs? No. And and blacks. Yeah. Why to and to pay them on a Sunday? That's musicians' union rate. Yeah. So that's that's. I mean, that's like horrendously expensive. That I mean, technical rehearsal. I mean, for those for those of you who don't know, um, members of West End pit bands and orchestras generally on average get to the theatre about five minutes before yeah, they're absolutely. Yeah, they, yeah. they are not there a minute before they need to be. So the fact that they're there at 10.30am when an, a full orchestra is not required for testing the gondolier. No. At all. I, don't, I have no idea why why there's a full orchestra there. I also don't know why the, in the full orchestra it's not just like a 12 piece but it's like a like a huge a full like 100 piece orchestra yeah, yeah. which which i mean you don't even get like at the opera these no, days it's still no. pretty scaled down no. how on earth well, i mean we learn later on there's a, specifically a tuba well which right is, yeah uh which becomes very important well doesn't it happen in this in this bit because they stop the technical rehearsal yeah. because it, the, the, so the gondolier is jolting around all the time um, and it obviously gives a bit of seasickness yeah. to Ali Bastian. So she uh, throws up into the... Throws up quite graphically again yeah. into the tuba, yeah. which I think is a joke that was first made in uh, 1223. <laughs> like, it must be the oldest joke in the history of bad jokes. Yeah. And he's decided... And he's gone, oh, we haven't had a joke for a bit. Yeah. And I... um. But so I'm, and everyone watches it for the comedy. So I'll put that one in. Great, great, well done. That's some real taxpayers' money, license fee money. That. That's, oh my goodness. I mean, it's just awful. Also, he one for in the grave was better than this. It was yeah. just, still quite bad on reflection. But I mean, like, shocking, shockingly lazy. So she gets upset, and then she has a chat with her dresser in the wings. Yeah. Uh, played who you, by who you know Ridian Jones, who I do know. Yeah, um, we have a mutual friend, um, uh, and he's we've shared many uh, a night together in the pub. Wonderful, lovely guy. And I th- said to you before, I went, oh, I hate it when you know people in yeah, like the JC podcast or stuff. 
because you never want them to be bad. Um, and of course he wasn't. He's actually he's, very good. He's, he's probably, probably the best, best thing in is. it. I'd, I'd say he's the best um, thing in it, yeah. And he's, yeah, playing this lovely kind of a, a dresser character. But Rillian Jones, really underrated actor, actually. He's been in a lot of stuff. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, he's playing this dresser and obviously her confidant, um, mm-hmm. which means, I think, that essentially David Rennick's seen the dresser and think that all lead actors are best friends with their personal wardrobe stuff. Yeah. Because that's... Again, a little bit of a cliche yeah. um, that isn't really true anymore. Yeah. Like, you know, you, 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 there, there's, there's stuff and there yeah. are kind of boundaries. And, and again, there are lots of different people. like the conversation that they have is like he's her dresser rather than the show. Like, yeah, they're no, talking about they're all playing. the previous shows. They're together. I was like, well, yeah, I mean, it's it's the West End. There's inevitably going to be a bit of crossover, but it doesn't work. Like, don't... like why do you think he's her dresser? Like, follows her around from show to well, show unless she's such a superstar that she can say I'm... i want my own dresser which is yeah maybe but what she's what she says at this moment in the show is um oh daryl i don't know what to do i know i'm awful this is after she's just thrown up in the chamber which yeah. is not really her fault um i'm awful i've uh, uh and then she starts to talk and quote a very long paragraph all about how she's a talentless, that she has no awareness of her yeah. own lack of talent, that she review, can't sing. Yeah. And she says, you know, constantly, I'm being berated. And Daryl says, Look, don't listen to the reviews. Yeah. And she says, and he says, instead, you should listen to the public. And yeah. she says, oh, no, that's not a review. Um, that is the public. It was written in lipstick on the toilet cistern upstairs. I mean, it's a, that's a lot to write. It's a re- it's like it's a really long paragraph in the first place about how bad yeah. she is. And it's also um So it's I a believe... lot it's a lot written in lipstick. Yeah. I believe it's it's the first ever piece of graffiti in a West End toilet. It is. <laughs> um it's the first what a weird what a weird thing to do. Like yeah. Billington just getting really angry. <laughs> and like, like, come on, let me borrow your number seven. I'm gonna I wanna piss off the Kellen. <laughs> Um, but also, if it was the public writing it in a toilet system, that would be being written in a public toilet system, on a, in a public toilet, yeah. which she wouldn't use. And yeah, why would she? It, yeah, why, yeah she, it would be backstage. backstage. Yeah. So yeah. again, why why mention it if there's no <laughs> logic to the yeah. geography of the building that you're in? Because you've never been in one, I assume. Um, I don't know. I've no idea. Um, and then that's the end of that scene. So we know that there's a nice little bond there between mm. Daryl. Um, and Juno Pirelli um, and then I believe we go back to um, the Sunday lunch we do yeah we go back to the Sunday lunch um, and uh, and we meet we meet the, the Ridley 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 um, and who's, who's in his first year of university first year of university um, David Rennick's been watching Sherlock again I mean really really like mocking Sherlock, so much it? this time like like the the extreme close-ups the jump yeah. cutting like it and it's very benedict cumberbatch-esque kind of rapid fire deadpan mm-hmm. noticing things um, yeah this whole big thing about saying they've gone been to reykjavik and all this yeah nonsense. it says all this thing about what he's observing the fact that jonathan's got a bite mark on him yeah. from, from the night before um, and has got a black eye, and, and he says, "Oh yeah, this is must be." He just gets it all wrong. Yeah. He gets it all wrong, uh, and yeah, very very mocking of Sherlock. And Jonathan never kind of corrects him because yeah. he's too nice to do that. I'm like, yeah, well, I... that doesn't really fit with what we know about JT. Yeah. He would probably 
immediately say, what a load of old rubbish. Yeah. But also Polly doesn't seem to think or react to it being wrong either. She's like, oh, that could be interesting. It's like, no, no, you were there. You, you were there. Yeah, you know, that you know what the, happened. Yeah, yeah. So you remember what you know. As an actor, like yeah. especially in a mystery... Where where yeah. there is miscommunications. Also, Rule number one is there's a big there's a big list that you write yourself, and it's called things you know, so you don't forget them. Yeah. Um. And I don't know. What, I mean, you, sorry, I'm to criticise Sir Alexander. It's blasphemy. But you know that you've not been to Iceland. Yeah. You know. <laughs> oh, maybe we did. No, no. You you'd remember. Really bizarre. Um. But he said, well, Raquel uh, Cassidy says, you know, my son Ridley, he's studying forensic criminology yeah at university um and is a big kind of fan of your work jonathan Mm -hmm. you know perhaps you could kind of you know show him some pointers and stuff um and probably quickly comes and says oh no 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 no. we're we're forgetting all that and she says yeah but you know he sold all those crimes and she says oh can we just live in the real world for once yeah so just remember that as well the justification for polly not wanting Jonathan Creek to carry on with his life and career and celebrated skill set is because it's not real enough for her and she yeah. wants people to live in the real world. That is the only justification we've had so far with Sarah Alexander's character. Yeah. Th- of that, of, right, finally, something that kind maybe has a go at explaining why she's such an awful partner. Yeah. Like, yeah. what a horrible person. Um. So, yeah, so that happens. Um. And then Raquel Cassidy uh, gets a, a phone call. A phone call um, saying that her dad has died. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's text, a text, actually. It's a text yeah. saying that her dad has died. That she reacts to as if the plumbers have said they're coming the following week and not today. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, how? Oh. And then my dad's died. He passed away peacefully in his sleep. And then she says, oh, no, wait. If this isn't my phone. Yeah, which is just... It's just nonsense. It's just... I feel like we use that word too much, but there's nothing else to describe it. It doesn't make nonsense. sense. It, yeah, so uh, it, I must have picked it up quickly without looking. Um, and it's, you know, it's your phone. So Sarah Alexander learns, Polly learns that her dad actually, actually is the one that died. And we learn that Raquel Cassidy is just very self-involved and uh, not a very nice friend to Polly. Uh, And then kind of feels a little bit guilty about... Because she says, oh, thank God. Oh, thank God my dad's not died. But obviously yours is, so but that's that's rough. But thank God mine isn't dead. And it's really laboured and goes on for ages. Okay, great. Just glad to know that all the characters that we already knew and the new characters, they're all, like, reprehensible, horrible people. Just, Just so we're clear, this is where we're at. So as a little kind of salve to that, we go back to Creepy Stage Door Guy, Mm -hmm. who is talking this through. I will say, in fairness, um, uh, a friend of ours uh, and a big fan of the show, Adam, Mm. uh, once, um, uh, when he was uh, popping around to our flat, as he left, he took my phone thinking it was his phone. Uh, So it's possible. It is possible. And he also already had his phone on him. And took mine. And then when I finally got hold of him, he said, yeah, he had it. Um, but he decided to buy some chips before immediately bringing it back. I mean, so it does Thanks, It does happen. I mean, if you'd written that in a Jonathan Creek episode, we'd be criticising that too. Yeah, we would. Thanks, Adam. Um, yeah, but the... the uh, yeah, so we go back to stage creepy stage door guy 
who's now having a talk with his wife partner about why she's so kind of jealous. Yeah. Um, and it it kind of turns out that she's thinking that he's never really gotten over Ali Bastian mm-hmm. and, or Juno Pirelli and is in love with her. Um, and he says, no, honestly, I have. It's just in your head. It's kind of like, it sounds like he's gaslighting her. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's what I assumed really yeah. was going on because then she opens the book and there's a picture of her in the book. Yeah. Um, as a, a bookmark, is a picture of him and her. Yeah. The Ali, Ali. So I thought, well, okay, you're definitely gaslighting her. Um, and then, but it's weird because I don't think we are meant to think that, right? But that's the way it's written. But so, so I think that David Rennick thinks those things are still ambiguous. Right. Okay. Like I, I don't, I think it's meant to be like, oh. They could be Plutonic friends, and and he used a picture of them together as his bookmark. Well, n- not if your wife's really not cool oh, with it. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I, I don't believe that. You don't believe that it's written that with that. It should yeah. be gaslighting. Yeah, maybe you're right. Well, either way, it's quite confusing because what happens next um, is the whole, the whole mystery. Yeah, there is no mystery. The action, the yeah. action of this drama. Is, yeah weird magical procedural drama um where so so the the partner of him she says well you've got to sort it out because i'm not happy um and she runs out into yeah. the night yeah. and sees ali bastian coming out of yeah. the stage door and obviously she's gone there to the theater yeah. specifically and which means presumably he's working at the stage door yeah um yeah because that's his job so and she says, oh, hi, how are you? And she went, oh, I'm... And she, I can't remember what she says, but she's kind of annoyed at her. Yeah. Um, Would you sign this? And she said, doesn't she? Yeah. Like, autograph. And then, just out of nowhere, she stabs Shabs her in her. the stomach. Yeah, where did you get the knife from? Like, no idea. Okay, good. And I, it, like, it's a really short knife, but yeah. it's not like a kitchen knife. It's no. like a daggery knife, yeah. but really small. Yeah. Um, yeah, and... Uh, Ali Rastian falls to the ground and is, oh no, I've been stabbed. Acting business going on. Yeah. And uh, and then the stabber realises what she's done. And, yeah, freaks out. Can I help um, you? Can I help you? Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to stab you. Was, yeah. uh, I got uh, you know jealous. And then creepy stage door guy comes out and helps. And they take her uh, back to their place. Which is weird because also surely it's quicker to take her back into the dressing room. Yeah. Do they unless they live in central London? But there's time has passed. They've got they've yeah, got to the flat, I, yeah, and they kind of fix her up and bandage her and say really sorry, and they look like they're kind of explaining together why, yeah, his partner has stabbed his friend. So again, they they had to be in the flat so that she could notice the the funeral program, yeah. But also, she didn't have to notice that they could have just, said, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, fine. <sighs> yeah, it, it could it could have just been explained, but they're in the flat, um, and they and and it means that no one in the theatre has seen anything. Yeah. Is also a device of that. Um, it just might mean that she died on the way home. Um, and they explained that basically, they had a child together who yeah. died at four months old, and it's only been sixteen months since they buried that child yeah. uh, at four months old, and they both been finding it finding it very difficult. Um, but Barry Child, another uh, 
Another great play. Another theatre reference yeah. there. I mean, <laughs> Definitely I don't, intentional. Don't He's think a that's... big Sam Shepard fan. I really don't think he is. I think big if he'd Sam read Shepherd. Sam Shepard, he'd be a better writer than he is. Yeah, great, great play. Um, and so they explain that... He he explains. This is the point. It looks like they're both going to explain. Oh, it's so weird. And he just speaks for her, right? Yeah, he talks as if she's not in as the room. She, yeah, it's like she's at not all. there. Um, and he's like, yeah, six. she's not been... Oh, it's been 16 months now and she's, you know, she's still the same. Nothing's changed, nothing's changed. And then she's like, what do you mean she notices the... She's like, yeah, six years, this, this paranoia. You know, she thinks every, she thinks everything's a conspiracy. She th- and he's like really moaning about her. And she's literally, right there. literally sat about two inches behind him. And like, kind I'm of like, put in the face going- of like, mm, yeah, he's right. Like, <laughs> yeah, what? yeah. Hey, hang on. Yeah. What? Yeah, it's odd. So obviously she is mentally very unwell. I don't and... like him very much. No, I don't trust him. No. I wouldn't have him on the stage door. No. But that way. No. Um, no. Uh, so so we learn that she's mentally unwell. And as a result, Ali Bastian is kind of touched by it and feels like, oh, I understand. Of course, I'm not going to involve the police or anything. Yeah. You're a grieving mother. You got something mixed up and you stabbed me, but it's fine. Yeah. Um, I'll just go home and then comes in the next work day to work. Um, but whilst that's happening, Sarah Alexander has to deal with the fact that her dad's dead, right? I mean, it's an interesting question, isn't it? If you were stabbed uh, by someone and then found out that um, they'd stabbed you because they were grieving for yeah. their dead child, would you go to the police? Um... It depends how much I like them. I think if I was 100% confident that I was going to recover and it was just superficial, mm. um, it's like if someone punched you, would you go to the police? I mean, I think it's different, isn't it? I think like it's Getting different. a knife, like it's so premeditated, yeah. isn't it? It's such a premeditated <laughs> attempted murder. You've got to be very forgiving. No, I don't think I probably would be that forgiving. I'd probably be like, okay, all right, you still need to... I think you, you need to get some some psychiatric help, maybe. You need to. That's what I'd say. That's yeah. exactly what I'd say. You need to get some psychiatric help because your sadness has melted the minute you've tried to murder someone, yeah. and you know that's unfortunate. But we need to take you away from society until you're ready for that. Also, can I just clarify something legally? Um, and and do get in touch if you if anyone else. We can... already say that, always say this, and we've never got had a lawyer get in touch. No, well, the, but you they never need know. to. It could be this episode. Could be this one. Um, so, uh, in terms of what's about to happen, happens because she doesn't want to go to the police. Yeah. But she could still go to hospital, right? Yeah. She doesn't have, like, if she goes to hospital and, and, because obviously her mentality is like, well, it's clearly a stab wound, so I want to know what's happened. If Mm. she went and just said, someone stabbed me, I'm not going to tell you who and I don't want to press charges. They'd still have to treat her. They'd have to treat her and legally, and that's fine. Legally, because that's... She's the victim of the crime. You. If she doesn't press charges, then there's nothing they can do. Correct. I think. Yeah. But that's what I'm... Because I know that's true of, like, lower-level crimes, but I don't know about, like, attempted... Like, if someone tried to kill you and you didn't press charges, does that person just go free, or does it become... Because mm. you've broken a law, regardless of who you've done it to. So I don't... That's interesting. Yeah, so that's why I don't know the the, the legality around that. Let us um, know. Get in touch. Yeah. Get us a, write us a tweet or an email. Regardless, I think she could... I think she could have gone to the hospital yeah, she should have gone I, to don't the I don't know why i don't know why she didn't either um so yeah meanwhile uh polly creek is mm. um it, it's about 24 hours isn't it 
Yeah, um, um uh, n- n- not even yet at this point, because that line happens later than this. So, so already so at, at a dad's moment, at it's the less funeral than directors. The dance at the funeral directors, he's been dressed, he's been, you know, made up and all that. Um, There's a specific word for that, and I forgot what it is. Um, Uh, Looking after the dead bodies. uh, Making up the corpse, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It'll come. come. Um, And um, she, yeah, so she is having a conversation with the funeral director. And again, this whole scene is played for the comedy. I'm like, really this is a character we're meant to care about. Dad that's just died. That Mort- she found out- Mort- morticians, mortuary makeup. It's mortuary. Uh, yeah, but I, yeah, I thought there was another word? a specific term for the the art of making up a. I'll have corpse. a. I'll have a. But um, yeah. Anyway, uh, not important. Um, so uh, yeah, she is like quite understandably upset, and she's playing that. She's yeah. playing upset. For some reason, Jonathan Alan Davies is not away really for this scene, yeah. um, and the mortician is is playing it for laughs, yeah, but probably at the request of David Rennick because the script is written for because it's it finishes on a gang it, like about rigor mortis. It's clearly meant to be a, a, an hilarious comedy. But scene. again, it isn't a sitcom though. Why does no. he think it is? And it does, and it means that it's not funny. Yeah, like well, also it's the writing isn't funny and the. Uh, it's not delivered but the the mood and the feel and the pace of the piece isn't funny no so even if you do something like that it's not doesn't make you laugh unless it's within the mood and the rhythm of the piece yeah it just feels really shoehorned in like, yeah it's bizarre it's it's like brian Connolly's coming and going oh can we do a bit of business with the old <laughs> yeah it's like no you can't because you because you've been <laughs> spent 11 years doing something else yeah um, so, so it's really unforgiving bit where it's yeah about the fact that he looks a bit down, um, and then she says, "Oh, why is everything so hard?" And he says, "Oh, I think that'll be the rigor mortis you'll find." Yeah. Ha ha ha! Pun pun pun. Um, so yeah, very bizarre. And then we go back again to what is presumably the next day, where yeah. Ali Bastian uh, Juno Pirelli has <laughs> gone into the theatre and she's explained what happened to Daryl, played by the wonderful uh, Ridian Jones. Yeah. Um, so he says, oh, this is dreadful. How can I help? And she says, remember that time, Ridian? Remember <laughs> that time? We were doing that Joe Orton play. We were doing a Joe Orton and there was a, a famous actress who had a caesarean scar and you made a special prosthetic to cover it up. And he says, yep, and whips out this kind of prosthetic skin material. This was also... I'm really, so confused by this. It was also a really, really horrible horrible exposition again, because like she was like, and you did this, and then you said that, and then you said that thing. And I'm like, well, yeah, well, if he said all that, he knows and is going to remember, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. It was just, again, just so clunky. Um, Why doesn't he have any memory of this until the end of your end of, monologue? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Telling him what he's already done, like, yeah. But, but also, I don't know. Maybe we've got some costumiers listening out here as well. Um, some wardrobe people. I don't think the best way to cover up a cesarean scar of pink rubber surely no. it would make more sense to use makeup 
Yeah, it would. It would. Right. And it's not. It would make more sense. That's what would have happened. Like, that's yeah, what. Yeah. Did okay. I'm glad. I'm what not... did happen? Yeah. This is this is fantasy. <laughs> this land. is absolute nonsense. Um, Good. Yeah. I'm glad but, you agree. But in any way, in this fantasy world, uh, th- they um, put a yeah, like a prosthetic stomach over her stomach wrap. Yeah, uh, uh, that wraps around her real stomach. That is in no way the same color as her her skin tone. Um, yeah. It's about ten shades lighter. Um, it, it's so clearly, obviously stuck on because it's a completely yeah. different color to her but and also it's a it's a bit of rubber stuck on her her stomach yeah so but, uh, fine underneath the costume you're not gonna notice it. notice it um and also if you're in an audience and they're on stage you might re- not relatively notice it but let which me is a good say, question why why if she underneath the costume you're not gonna yeah. notice it why was it necessary i don't know i was just thinking that um, <laughs> I don't it's I mean... necessary because she knew the, the the French producer lady would come in and see her getting changed. How did she know that? that no, I, it's nonsense. And also, do you know what happens when that does happen? Is Put a she's, gun on. she's not wearing it. They filmed it with her because you see her. And it's, I was like, oh, if it's yeah. so bad that you have to film it with her not wearing it, yeah. then maybe think <laughs> maybe about this whole, whole thing. concept is that we won't don't, don't believe it. Yeah, really weird. Um, sorry, you were going to say something else before I interrupted you. No, I think that was it. That it's just ridiculous that I don't. Yeah, I don't really know why she needs to wear it. Yeah. Um. And I, but I also, I don't know why he, as a costume expert, is he's he's doing this in order to hide the fact to respect her wishes of not getting the attempt the the attempted murderess in trouble, right? Because yeah. she's like, if anyone finds out about this, they'll arrest her, and that'll be the it. And I'm like. Well, will they? Because, again, you're not pressing charges, right? And he says, oh, well, someone needs to look at that. Someone who's good with a needle. I might know someone. And then obviously doesn't get anyone. Yeah. Because, but I suppose there's no time. But it does feel very... not. It, there's no logic here no, for either characters. Um, as I say, Ridian, if you're listening, I think you're playing it very well. But I don't... It's no real sense to what either you or Ali Bastian are saying in this yeah. scene at all um so anyway that happens um and she can go on to do the show yeah. um but before that we we cut back to the funeral directors mm-hmm. um in the mortuary and they've now changed well no, no no um that's uh before that you do get them turning up at the house at her father's house that's in between the two mortuary Oh my goodness! Seems. You've got that as well. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. because that's that's when she says, "I can't believe it." Only 24 hours ago, I found out that my dad was dead, and like, no, you didn't. Like, that's not possible for all these things to happen. So in a day, oh no, sorry, she doesn't say that at all. She says, she says after what happened yesterday. After what? This is ironic about what happened after yesterday. So they they now own yeah. her father's ha- uh, her her family home in the yeah. country. That's now theirs because that's how fast. I mean, that's so, so fast. That that's how fast inheritance law uh, works, guys. Uh, your uh, mother, father, grandparent dies, and then the next day you get all the inheritance, don't you? That's just how it works. I mean, nonsense. Yeah. Stupid. If anyone knows what the word m- probate means, right? then you it are takes in hell. Yeah. Months and months and months, sometimes years. Um, I think it. Yeah, I mean, it was a good couple of years i think before like when my 
grandmother died before my uh, mum and her sisters got. And yeah, it's like, like it takes so long. Um, it does take a long time, but it, it make uh, but it it just means that this even if it didn't take long, how can all of these things have happened within twenty four hours? You're right. Like yeah. with it's in one night, two days and one night. Yeah, that the, the he death died. The first mortician the, appointment. Yeah. The acquisition of the house, the yep. second mortician appointment, yep. where he's now got a smiley face, yep. which is again horrendous, as you've said, dreadful comedy, and now they've gone and and then they're going back to the house and they yep. visited the house, yeah. And talking about that again, I just don't know what the timeline is, but it's important, right? It's yep. important that we know what the timeline is because there's someone who's been stabbed. We've seen her get stabbed, and we saw how difficult the wound is. And the time that passes, yeah. if it's been like three days and she's fine, yeah. then that's a very different mystery exactly. to exactly. it's been one day and, and she's not fine. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, so they they now live in uh, Sarah Alexander's parents, in, in, in her family home out in the country. It's big kind of old country house mansion-y type place. Yeah. Um, uh, and they're, yeah, kind of rooting around and they, and they find a letter... Um, that we'll come back to later, but it's a letter saying that there's something buried under one of the floorboards. Um, we then go back to the theatre, mm-hmm. I think, uh, and then we... Uh, uh, um, oh, no, sorry, the whole funeral. There's a funeral. Yeah, the funeral for the dad. The funeral for the dad happened. Funeral for a dad. Funeral uh, for a dad. Well, no, I don't know if that happens before, actually, because what I've got written... Is oh no, we no, it happens after. We it see, happens yeah. after. So what? You're what? You're right. right. We're back at the theatre. Yeah. Um, and we see what happens with with uh, with old Juno. She comes off the show. Comes off the show. And for some reason, the entire backstage is full of flight cases. Full of flight cases. Flight cases everywhere. And some guys, some like builders looking types. Yeah. Are carrying what looks like about five scaffold planks. Yeah. Which again, I've got no idea what they're doing. What they're doing in the there. middle of a show. Or no. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's the, literally the curtains just come down, I'm assuming. Yeah. I mean, it looked like um, yeah. it was the middle of the show, but it, it had to have been the end of the show. Unless it was interval. Because the producer came in. Maybe it was the interval. Yeah. Maybe it was the interval. But um, anyway, it's even, chaos even back so, there. I don't know what they're Death building trap. from scratch in the middle of a show. Very bizarre what's yeah. happening. That show is not going well. Um, and she gets uh, shoved in the stomach with a flight case. Yeah. Um, and you can see that, oh, it's obviously touched her stamping yeah. Then she goes, right, I'll go to the dressing room and sort this goes out. Goes into the dressing room, goes for a shower. This is where we see <laughs> that when she's not wearing, like, she's just not got any fake stomach. It's her real stomach, yeah. but we're, but, so that's, so we believe that it looks really realistic. But the problem is you then show us later with it on and you can see that it's, it's rubbish. different yeah um so the, the whole that whole thing's very odd um but yeah as we said the the um uh french producer comes in needle needle schmidt or something she's called needle zelda needle splasher <laughs> zelda needle splasher needle splasher needle splasher played by uh marianne bogo uh, um and yeah she comes now what is she coming in to ask can you sign these when you're ready? Oh, yes. They're for yeah. the children. They thought your performance was wonderful. So That's presumably it. it is the end of the show now, but it doesn't it must feel be like it yeah, at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, it doesn't feel like it's... It doesn't feel like there's a show happening because there's so many people with bits of scaffold bits of scaffolding, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, there's like a bunch of programmes with uh, a post-it note on it. 
Yeah. Um, and she says, yeah, yeah, I'll just, you know, finish up. I'll get changed and then I'll get yeah. to it. And then uh, Zelda leaves and then she gets a horrendous kind of pang of pain in where her stab wound is. Um, and uh, kind of peels back the fake stomach. Which she now has on. Which she now has on, yeah. yeah. Peels back the fake stomach. Um, and it's just kind of so much blood. Yeah. So much blood. Blood everywhere. Um, on the carpets, pouring like, all over her. Like, like, to the point of... I don't think she'd be able to be as like fine as she is with all that blood coming up. Like cause she's up, she's I don't know. She's wandering around the bathroom. She she flushes. She's sorting things out. Flushes something yeah. down the toilet, and I'm like, "You're literally bleeding out. What's wrong with you? Like you absolutely would be in more pain and delirium than this. I don't surely, know. if you're use, losing all this blood out your wound, if you're medically trained, get in touch. Let us know. Do you think you'd be as agile? As Juno Pirelli, I mean, if you were bleeding out that much. You cut your thumb last year and there was about that much blood, wasn't there? That's true. And, and I you also had to go to the theatre. Yeah, you did. I, and I had blood gushing. I went to bed that night and it was still bleeding in the morning. Yeah. I don't know how I lived. I don't know how he lives. I'm a medical marvel in that sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, dear so... Evan Hansen and my thumb <laughs> bleeding all the way through it. it. Oh, horrendous. Yeah, would not clock. There you are. But I'm not hemophiliac. No. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that... Uh, do you, if, if you think that she would be able to, then let us know, uh, correct us. But I think you're right. I think she's doing a bit too much. Yeah. And it's, she's more playing anxiety and nervous yeah. about someone finding out about the stabbing than she yeah. is... Yeah, that there's the, blood all uh, over her... Yeah. Uh, dressing coming room. out of her. Um, yeah. And she slips... On her, on, her, on her own That's blood. That's how much blood there is. She, she slips, slips in a puddle, on, on a a puddle, puddle of her blood. own blood. And then suddenly, once she slipped, she's now been stabbed. Like, that's when she ah! plays, yeah. plays the pain of being stabbed. Um, and um, uh, Zelda, Zelda, Zelda runs, hears, her. hears it, runs in, and sees what's happening. And, and yeah, obviously then other people run and in. Daryl and comes. Daryl comes Darryl, in. Daryl's obviously known what's happened, right? Yeah. But he... At this point, he goes, God, what happened? Yeah. But he knows. So he's covering for... So, but so, the whole so thing... that Zelda won't find out that her leading lady was stabbed by someone. The whole thing, the underscoring, the editing, the way the acting is played, is all played as if we didn't know. It's yeah. all played yeah. as exactly. if the audience aren't aware of why this has happened. Yeah. And it's so confusing. So I was like, has this just been edited in the wrong order? Like, were we not meant to know? Because yeah. it's made as if we weren't. It's like I think it's it's not directed by David uh, Rennick. This one, um, the last few have it's directed by David Sant, and I'm wondering if he's kind of just gone. Oh, okay, I'll do a reverse Pulp Fiction on this. It's like, just yeah, I'll put everything memento. Yeah, yeah, it, into a weird order. Um, yeah, it is very bizarre. So they're playing it as if nothing's happened, um, but we know what's happened. So we're at this point, like twenty five minutes in. Yeah. Uh, no, more than that. I mean, it's like the first twenty minutes is when the stabbing takes place. Probably forty minutes in, and uh, and we, we you know we've learned nothing. We've learned absolutely no. nothing about anything apart from the fact that Polly Creek's mum had some letters. Yeah, that w we we get to talk about for a little while. So I mean, it's just very as David said. You know, yeah. someone got stabbed. Let us know what you think. Um, so we so yeah. So then we go to the funeral. Now right? we're at the funeral, the funeral of Polly Creek's dad. dad. And we meet... Um, I 
can't think of her name. Her mum's friend. Hazel. Hazel. Yeah. We meet Hazel, who um, is talking about how her own mum died a week ago. And I'm like, well, that's very soon. Yeah. <laughs> you okay? Should you not probably be at your own mother's funeral if you, she died a week ago? It's probably going to be today. Yeah. So I don't know why you're and at this she's funeral like, instead. Oh, my own mum died a week ago. She was 86, though. Um, and I'm like, yeah. okay, great. And so presumably hazel is is maybe in her like early 60s i think yeah we were talking about. but from this point on they refer every time they talk about hazel they're like oh that old dear and like the they, oldest they woman in the world she's so old i'm like she's not she actually looks even younger than she probably is yeah um yeah just bizarre um but yeah so she's she's obviously very spiritual she's believed she believes in that there's this other side yeah. because her, her she spilt her cat's ashes and went to the yeah. shops for two hours and came back and, and the ashes had disappeared um so they are giving us another mystery um so i was like oh maybe that's it maybe this is the actual mystery we don't know about but then that's resolved literally in about five minutes like let there's like two scenes later yeah. go oh it's a it's a a, a roomba a, robotic hoover a roomba robotic hoover yeah so um, yeah so that's not a mystery um you don't need to know about that but it's kind of another storyline you're right that between polly and hazel but hazel gives her a hazel gives her a, a website very importantly yeah a, a link a, a she link. writes down a link to a website yeah. you write down you write down an address yeah i mean it would you, be a weird you, you can't hyperlink your handwriting, your handwriting. <laughs> that's david rennick not understanding <laughs> The internet, which requires for an entirely different jingle, which yeah. I can't be bothered to make. But, <laughs> but yeah, uh, he doesn't understand uh, the World Wide Web. Um, and so what then happens, right, is we, so we we haven't found out about the Roomba yet. So Holly and Hazel, that's the storyline that's going to thread. And essentially, Jonathan Creek's gone, right, okay. They, I've been asked to go back to the theatre and help solve the mystery. He gets a he gets a phone call from Zelda, which is odd. why does she, Zelda know who he is? <sighs> she's only she's yeah. barely met him, and he was the one who didn't like her show. Yeah, had been punched in the face, bitten in the neck, and do you know what? Do you know what? After Gorgon's Wood, at I'm least it's better, just happy it? to know who was on the other end of the phone. Who was on the end of the phone? Because we'll never know. One. We'll never know who it was. <laughs> the biggest Jonathan Creek mystery of all. <laughs> who got him to Gorgon's Wood? Um, yeah. So at least, at least there's some kind of link there with a character that's existing. So Jonathan's like, okay, right, I'll help you. And Raquel Cassidy's like, well, don't forget my son Ridley. Yeah. Oh no. <sighs> no. What does she? What, what's the exact line she says? Oh, it's really weird. She says. Oh, do I hear the words work experience? No, no, you don't. Which is weird because no one said that. <laughs> what what she means is, uh, do the words work experience mean anything to you? Yeah. Or um, or a yeah. variation on that thing. Sorry, did somebody say work experience? That would work. Yeah. That would go, yeah, that would work because she's trying to muscle in on Jonathan yeah. Gray and yeah. sort out. Her. But she says, oh, do I hear the words work experience? No one said that. No so one said it. The answer is no. no. Shush. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that scene should end. <laughs> but anyway, Ridley uh, yeah. is now uh, doing this investigation. Doing with this Jonathan. investigation with Jonathan, um, and keeps coming up with ridiculous Sherlock-esque. Yeah, so they go, they go into the the place, and Jonathan's eating an orange. Um, I say place, I mean the dressing room. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> clarify. Um, uh, 
they go into the dressing room where it all happened. And again, this whole scene, I just went, well, I don't care. I don't care at all because I, I know. I know yeah. why it happened. I know, I know the reveal already because you've already told us. Yeah. Because you're mental. So it's just like, oh, God. It's just... It's really dull. But, but Rid- uh, Ridley comes up with this idea that someone with a crossbow got in at the top of the dressing room window and shot her with a crossbow made of frozen blood. Yeah. Which uh, also wouldn't make any sense because you then have a different type of blood on yeah, the floor. Yeah, and how long... And, and, and what are you have... studying? Oh, and, forensic criminology. And the... the, the... It wouldn't have um, thawed that quickly because she literally no. comes in immediately. No, the whole so, thing is yeah. utterly nonsense and preposterous, which is fine because Jonathan's meant to go, oh, goodness sake, yeah. this guy is not, you know, full of nonsense. But for the rest of the world to take it seriously, I find yeah. that really odd. Like, no, of course it, that's nonsense. Yeah. yeah. Make... So but... meanwhile, Polly goes round to Hazel's house. Yeah. And Hazel says... Right, come on. There are other things. Let's contact the spirit world and hold a seance, right? Yeah, for, for her mum. Yeah, Qu- For her mum. Question. Yeah. Why is Polly, who believes that everything should be very much based in the real world, to the point yeah. where she won't let her husband formulate magic tricks as part of theatrical entertainment, Yeah. why is she doing a seance with someone called Hazel, whom she's only just met? She hasn't only just met. Oh, she, they, I suppose... They no, know I, each other through family. I think family. that's why, to, to be fair... Maybe that's why. To be fair, there are quite... A f- she does hammer that home about how grateful she is that she was there with her mum all the way up to the end and that she was such right. a good... So I think it's out of duty. Out of duty. To her parents, because she was their best friend, I think. Maybe, yeah. I, I, I think that makes more sense. Um, I should have given that more attention. But I get annoyed that the character of Polly Creek is stopping Jonathan from following his artistic dreams yeah. and being happy. Like he's been like clinically depressed no, no, for I, about four I episodes. Think, I think the problem is that she doesn't play like she doesn't play like reluctance or that she's humouring Hazel. It just Initially, looks like she's going, she oh, all right then. I don't really believe in this, but I don't even no, I think she's playing that she's quite happy to go along with the whole thing. She she comes in and she's like, yeah, great, let's have a set. So, yeah, to your point, yeah, it is odd. It's weird Um, that she would be... I I understand her reasoning for it, but she's not not playing that reasoning. She's playing like she's absolutely fine with doing a seance. Yeah. Which seems to be going against their character. Um, But then then this is when she works out that it was the vacuum cleaner, because the little Roomba (laughs) turns on in the middle of this... She says, can't you feel an an electric buzzing or something? Yeah, and then the Roomba comes... And then, like, to... To like to let us know that it's a Roomba to prove that it's all like, or this like I don't know is she like she mocking spring, she sprinkles... Hazel? It's very odd. She, yeah, she starts making a mess on the carpet for the Roomba with to the clean. cake that yeah. Hazel's given a slice of, and then the Roomba obviously hoovers it up. I think it's because David Rennick and David Sant thought that Didn't no one the... would yeah. know what a Roomba Again. was, so that let let us know what it is. I've never. That's why I think it I've is. never seen anyone underestimate their audience's intelligence that as much, much as David Rennick it's across the whole of Dragon's Um So she gets home yeah. from a long night of uh, seancing and he gets home from a long day of uh, um, crime solving. Yeah. Um, and she leans over to him and says, well, I wasn't going to tell you this, but I've had a visit from our friend Hazel. I'm like, why weren't you going to tell him? Yeah. Why? Why is it a secret? Is it because you don't want him to know that you've 
been engaging in things that are not rational because he's a rational guy. But that also wouldn't make sense because if you thought he was a rational guy, then you'd let him have his career and be who he is. Yeah. The, the fact that you don't let him do that is because you misunderstand his love of rationality and explanation and brilliance, right? Yeah. It... Which I also think is kind of important because at the end of the episode, Polly has more of an appreciation for what Jonathan does, yeah. which is crucial. So I, I think there's something going on in this scene that's meant to speak to one of those things, but I'm yet to find out what it is. Right. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I, I don't know. Either. It's a weird line. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. But there's some kind of dynamic there where she's starting to get interested in his abilities. Yeah. Um, But not enough to actually let him talk about it. She still pee-pees it when he talks about it. Yeah. Um, But they, they talk about the fact that the next day they're going to go and hunt for these letters. Yeah. Yeah, that's supposedly hidden under the third bedroom floorboard. Now... The, the episode is called The Letters of Septimus Noon. Yeah, it's such a small part of the episode. Which means that this is what the episode's named after. Yeah, and know. we're only just getting it, getting yeah. to it now. Yeah. Like an hour and a bit in. Yeah. So they go to different rooms in the house because Polly starts in the wrong room for some reason. Well, yeah, because... so so can't remember why. The logic is that Polly has read it as being... The third room floorboard. So the third floorboard in the bedroom. The third bedroom yeah. floorboard. And Jonathan's read it as the third bedroom floorboard. So the the floorboard in the third bedroom. Great, yeah, yeah. Which is which is what I thought was going to happen. And I think it's nonsense because the only people that refer... Like, that number their bedroom are estate agents. Yeah. Once you... Like, you don't... You don't... How, how does he know that's the third bedroom? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how estate agents know half the time. They no, just go I mean, in matters just, of like the you have the master ones. bedroom and then you have the other bedrooms. Yeah. Like it's 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 literally written down. This this property has three bedrooms. It's a four bedroom property. But yeah. You don't. They don't have an order of what. The, so it's a yeah. The fact that he went, and he went. You know, this is the third bedroom. I was like, why? Why is it? How is it? Yeah. What's a third bedroom? Um. But it's nonsense. as a result, he gets in there and it yeah. takes him ages, but he finds this box, which they've been instructed by the letter to mm-hmm. to look for. And in it are... Full of love letters to uh, Sir Alexander's Catherine. dead, dead mum, Cathy, uh, from Septimus, Septimus Noon. And it's very graphically, these letters describe all the hanky-panky that her mother and for Septimus... Years. Got up to three years, years, I think she said. And so um, Alexander's like, oh, goodness me, my mum, what a yeah. dreadful... You think you know someone, spend your whole life growing up in the same house together. Like, yeah. Which that sounds, sounds your like mom. your sister, yeah, and not your mum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, of course, of course... Oh, I don't understand that line, how you talk about your mum, but yeah. fine. Um, yeah, and so she's like, oh, this is, you know, a bit dreadful, isn't it? A bit yeah. naughty. Uh, and that's that. Yeah. For, for a while. Um, that's, yeah, that's the kind of the end of that little section. Um, and then it, we, we go back to basically the home stretch. Yeah, so um, Jonathan... Which isn't really a home stretch because it's no, in, not so in the Jonathan, order of a normal episode. No, Jonathan's been in his mind about this painting that he saw in the uh, uh, dressing room. Uh, that said Sawjoy uh, yeah. signed Sawjoy but it was in the top left corner 
And he was thinking how odd that is that it's not in the bottom right corner. Yeah. So because of that, he works out that, that the fake stomach must be hidden behind the painting. But he needs to go and make sure. Now, luckily, Ridley yeah. has apparently got the power <laughs> to call the whole company of a West End show yeah. at six o'clock that evening to, to, to reveal. Now, now this is now this really annoyed me, and I don't know if you picked up on this. Okay, let's say that that will buy Happened. that. He's he's summoned right? everyone, and they've gone for it. If Ridley is able to do that, why does Jonathan have to break into the dressing room? It's a very good point. Why can't which is what happens? Jonathan says comes and Sarah Alexander has to pretend that she sprained her ankle to get the security guard that's yeah. guarding the dressing room yeah. away from it so Jonathan can pick the lock and get in and it's all very covert. I'm like, but but if they're allowing your assistant to call all the company, then obviously they're very invested in solving this mystery. So why wouldn't they just let you in the dressing room? And also they did let you in once. Yeah. So I why don't they let you I in a second time? There's, there's no reason for him to break in. There's it is no, bizarre. that's not the most, that's not the best way of doing this. I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a stab, pardon oh. the pun, at going, if I was a writer and I had no reason for that scene, why would I write it? Mm -hmm. Is it to show us that Polly Creek is, is doing something for Jonathan and becoming his, uh, his kind of partner, his, uh, his, his Maddie. His Maddie. Yeah. I mean, I mean, cause if, cause if that is the only thing that that does then it, i mean I'm, I I'm working quite hard yeah but maybe that's why they wrote it because you're right it makes maybe. no sense there's no place for it um but i did quite like going well at least she's learning about it but at least she's doing something to help him solve the mystery yeah even though we already know how it happened yeah i mean i i can yeah maybe i can at a stretch yeah at a stretch so he goes into the dressing room gets what he needs presumably we don't see and then comes back and then um, we, we're we in the auditorium and Ridley's explaining to everyone. Now, Jonathan knows that Ridley's wrong, yeah. right? And he's a yeah. student. Yeah. And he's got ideas about his station and he's just letting him humiliate himself. Yeah. Which again, I'm like, this is not something you... It's not a nice thing to do. Yeah. Um, but he does. Meanwhile, the creepy stage door guy obviously is there. Yeah. And, and so, so is his wife. His wife. Well, I don't, I really don't know why. I have no idea why. And he doesn't really know why, and we don't ever find out. But um, they're saying it could be uh, a murder case because they're not sure if uh, yeah. she's going to make it. Make it or not. Juno yeah. Pirelli's going to actually survive yeah. uh, from being hospitalised. I'm glad they did tell us that because at this point I was like, she could be dead, she could be alive, what no yeah, idea. No, the, yeah, this, is, this is the first time we learn of, of her condition <laughs> yeah. at all. Yeah. So that's nice. Um, yeah, so uh, then... They um, are cutting between Ridley giving this ridiculous yeah. reveal that doesn't really make any sense, and and he and he says it's the tuba player that did it yeah, um, because and, of revenge yeah. of her throwing up in yeah. the tuba, um, presumably. But immediately, our, uh, we don't get to hear the reasoning for why because he's um, interrupted by uh, a hanging. Um, uh, yeah, the stage doorkeeper's wife uh, jumps, uh, hangs herself from the flies exactly like the stagehand in Phantom of the Opera. Which is exactly like it. So that's yeah. again, why are you so obsessed with that show in this? But it's fine. It's a weird thing now, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. 
to just prove that you went to the theatre once to see the most popular show in the world. I don't know if it's that, or I don't know if it's genuinely that, like, <laughs> it's his subconscious and he's not even aware of it, but he saw it. Oh, the come on. Before. I'm, I'm going to give him more credit than that. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> um, so. Meanwhile, yeah. the hanging's taking place, so we know that, which is a shame because she, you know, she kills herself, which is a yeah. mentally unwell person. It, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. stabs someone, gets away with it through the kindness and charity of the victim, uh, and then can't live with the guilt. thinks that she's thinks that she's going to be We're... outed in front of the police, and therefore can, hangs herself. I find it's it, awful. I find it really problematic that we're not allowed to get to know her at all. Like, yeah, like, this whole episode treats her as so unimportant, and I'm like, that's really it's not a okay. functional character. Yeah. And I don't think you can have you you can't have p- functional characters you know, suffering from mental illness and then killing themselves. You can't yeah. morally, no. really, no. to be... Yeah, I think you're right. No, it felt very wrong. Um, um, so, so, yeah, so, so, But Jonathan, sorry, is in the room with Daryl. Yeah. Um, and Polly. Yeah, and we get the reveal of the thing we already knew. Which is really um, underwhelming, as yeah. you'd kind of expect. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just so weird, I can't get over it. Why, why did they reveal it I cannot get over... The way they did this episode, it's it's utterly it's bizarre. But it, just to fill you in, yeah, uh, Daryl doesn't um, give away what he doesn't give away who or, it was. Yeah, yeah. So we so know Jonathan and Polly don't know because no. Daryl's not telling them. But they do know that Daryl went into the dressing room afterwards, and found the prosthetic stomach, hid it in the painting, and hid it in the painting. Yeah, and when he hid it in the painting. Uh, he, he rehung put, it the wrong way around. Rehung so it the wrong way around. Not by saw joy, it's by Holmes, which looks like a bit like saw joy. Well, uh, yeah, I was trying to work that out. Yeah, I it, wrote it. It doesn't down. Really. It doesn't. No. It, I mean, you have to write the A in a bit of a funny way to get it. To yeah. Get the A in the yeah. E. But um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I suppose you could get it a bit. But there you are. Um, and uh, and so and so that's how Daryl. I don't know where this puts Daryl legally. Because he's obstructing justice by hiding <laughs> the evidence. Well, it's a good job he's not talking to any any criminal investigator that he's just talking to. Yeah, An advertising true. exec. But an advertising exec and a retired magician don't yeah. have... Like, they still have a moral obligation to to do something if they think that someone's... But then I suppose by the time they do something, they come out to the news that the murderer... That someone's hanged themselves. I'm pretty sure the only way but that... they you... don't know it's... Her. I'm pretty sure the only way the universe of Jonathan Creek works is if morality doesn't exist. Everyone. That's probably immoral, a good point. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, then we get to the um, explanation of the final mystery. Yes. Um, which of course. Which of course is Jonathan works out because of the paper of the letters. The letters are folded in a very specific way. Yeah. That he noticed Hazel do. So then he popped round to Hazel's and say that. You've got a weird way of folding paper, which she does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is really weird. And it's weird. the own, and it's like, it just feels very sort of retrofitted to make like. Mm. Yeah, so as a connection. Like wouldn't, you wouldn't fold it that way. Uh, anyway. No one's ever, ever no, folded no, paper that way. so silly. Um, uh, anyway, so that, that, and then I was like, oh, would she seek, would she like bisexual or, or lesbian secretly or something? Interesting, interesting. Uh, pansexual or, yeah. Uh, and I thought that would be a nice way to go. No, 
no, no, no, no. It was, it was because that this is the weirdest reveal ever. So, Sarah Alexander's mum wanted to wanted who died di- before who her died dad before eleven her, eleven years. years ago. She d- doesn't want her husband to grieve for her too much. So she asks Hazel to pretend to be a fake man that she's having an affair with yeah. and write all these letters and backdate them so it looks so he will find them and 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 be less sad because he thinks that she cheated on him. It would quell his grief if if she um uh, what was it like black marked her own character in some way. It's so not it's it does absolutely not how it's humans the work. Same, it's the same logic as last week of like oh I put, I put, I pretended that his head hadn't been cut off because my mum would be less shocked. I mean, Bec- what like a ridiculously what, weird. Like, thing. what is going on with these people's justifications for doing things? Because it's bonkers. <laughs> it's absolutely bizarre. Um, yeah. So, so a really weird thing, and then Hazel kind of reveals and says, says reveals all. Um, and then there's one more thing that we haven't mentioned. Because they essentially there's another little mystery. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a missing coffee stain, which no one cared about at the time. No one cared about, it and no time. one, and we didn't care about it at the time. No. No. One, and now they're bringing it back. Like it's another thing that needs to be tied up. I'm yeah. like, does it? Oh, just, right. Yeah. So then we have this yeah. whole story about Raquel Cassidy, uh, her daughter, who's the nightmare, carving the words. If anyone needs psychiatric help, is as that well, daughter? Yeah, the daughter, the woman that hanged herself. There's a lot of problems in this house. I mean, Raquel's not entirely stable. She's lying to herself about a- kids. Absolutely. Um, um, but but oh my god, yeah. So she's she's carving pony, pony killer, killer into like, a desk. If you have the cognitive ability to like understand like forms of protest yeah. and like and the connotations of what pony killer means then you understand that he's talking about a photograph, right? Of course. Like, like, she's, yeah, yeah. she's just a horrid child. Yeah. Um, and so they, to cover it up, is it at the funeral this yeah. happens, to cover it up, Ridley and Raquel turn the desk round. It's a partner's desk, so it yeah. looks exactly the same on either side. And uh, that explains the vanishing uh, coffee stain. Yeah, um, that is that goes missing. That yeah. we didn't it's care about. You didn't care about. But I've had to talk about it anyway because David Wright would have put it in in the last five minutes of yeah. the weird episode. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah. So then, and and they do this kind of reveal their round at Raquel's yeah house. Um, and then that's basically the end of the episode. But and they... Polly kind of leads this reveal. Yeah, it's like her she does. time yeah. to do it, which I think is odd for someone who thinks that all of this is a nonsense. Yeah. It just it, again, I, there's no real character continuity unless we're trying to. T- they're trying to tell us that Polly's now into helping Jonathan with his crimes. Yeah. Um. But, but maybe, maybe that's it. But yeah. So then, Jonathan, you have got this link to yeah. earlier on at the beginning of this episode. David was telling you about the fact that there's a reference to the film Alien because Raquel Cassidy has called her kids Ripley, Ridley. And the house is called uh, Nova, what's it called? Nova Tromo. Nostromo. Nostromo, um, which is the name of the spaceship, correct? Yeah. In Alien. Um, 
And he says, oh, I know what a favourite film is. And then we don't talk about it. But I don't know Alien that well. I didn't know the spaceship was called Nostromo. But I know from Ridley and Ripley, that's immediately an alien. Yeah. And the fact that he mentions a film, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's quite obvious to me. And I've seen Alien once when I was about 12. Yeah. And there's an incredibly iconic line from the film Alien. A very, it? very famous line. Probably the most famous thing about the film Alien. Yeah. Uh, it was the tagline on the poster. Yeah. And it, the whole thing is, in space, no, no one, one can, can hear you scream. Because space is a vacuum. Yeah. And so he says that, thinking Raquel Cassidy will obviously get the reference because yeah. she's a huge alien fan. Because she, she says, oh, that's the thing about uh, space. Uh, space, that you need space before you children. Spa- yeah, it's yeah, the thing about, yeah, you need space. Uh, and Jonathan says, why? Because no one can hear you scream. And she completely no-souls it. <laughs> yeah. She um, just ignores it completely and yeah. says... No, enjoy it while you have it. Uh, and then there's a cut to her, Ripley, the child, screaming. being awful, screaming and spraying the thing. And then just a couple of seconds too late, the credits come. Well, yeah, well, it's like, I was just like, but surely, like, the structure of Jonathan Creek up to this point is always you end the episode on a gag, right? So it should have been, what, no one can hear you scream. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. No one can you scream, her not getting the reference of the thing that she's so obsessed by she's named both her children and her house after it yeah. and then saying something else that isn't funny and then a weird bit with the kid and then you end and I'm like what? no you've, you've, why is this now happening I don't know why any of that was happening no I don't understand the character of Raquel Cassidy I don't know why they're friends I don't, people should not have that friends the more I get older I get the more I'm like just you don't need that many friends it's a, stop it they're all idiots. Well, I think David Rennick might agree with you because the way that he portrays friendships in Jonathan Creek is quite odd. Like, no one really likes each other. In they the have these weird that... obligations, don't yeah. they? Yeah, and there's always, like, competitive... Na- like, all all friendships in Jonathan Creek are all really, like, competitive. Yeah. And I'm not quite sure what, what that's about. No, yeah. I, I mean, I just, don't, I just don't think that that he's capable of writing likeable characters. He just can't do it. No. So everyone he writes, even even the like the people who were meant to be the nice characters, still can't. Even the heroes of his own series can't actually just be nice. Yes, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, totally right. Um, so it is it is utterly ridiculous. And I also just I want just to uh, highlight that if you um, if you want to know what what rage was happening when this came out in 2014 go to the imdb page <laughs> and go down to reviews and there is a re- user review entitled this is not the jonathan creek i know and love <laughs> and it is just uh, and it wasn't brilliant. written by either of us it was certainly amazing. wasn't no it's completely uh, new and fresh but um uh yeah really really entertaining um unlike this episode i can't believe i can't believe it's so generally awful um and i don't know i i just really we've only got a few left now right we've got three left we've got three left so we've got another two of this series because they just did a series of three for some reason uh, and then we've got one two years on from so 2016 when the last one was a uh, special uh, yeah the last christmas special and i just yeah. really i can't remember i must have seen the 2016 special but i can't really remember much about yeah, it yeah you you do you do remember you remember the end because oh. something happens in the end that makes you question everything Jonathan Creek's ever done. 
Oh my god, yes, sorry, I just remembered. <laughs> oh my goodness. No, yeah, no, completely weird. Um that's a very, very weird episode. Yeah. Um so so I'm hoping uh, you know, the next next one might might be a little bit more nostalgic and enjoyable yeah. rather than just frustrating and technically wrong. Hopefully, hopefully. This was just weird. It was weird. Last week's was the Judas tree was too much. Yeah. Last week's episode, the reveal was just. Uh, I don't even. I don't have any words to describe what the reveal was last week. And, and maybe he's trying to do something new today, but it just didn't. It like, didn't land. It didn't land. It's a thumbs down from just, us. Sorry, I David just Rennick. was a bit bored the whole way through. Yeah, because we've no, because we've got nothing There's to no invest in. There's got nothing to invest in. That's the issue. Yeah, got nothing to invest in. Um, uh, just before um we do our final goodbyes, I forgot I should have done this at the beginning. Um, but Ben got in touch via Facebook oh, yeah. uh, uh a few days ago. Um, just in relation to um, do you remember when we were doing the Judas Tree and we said that we couldn't remember. The only reveal we couldn't remember was how they did the apparition of the the Egyptian woman's face in the barn. Yeah. So he did say, uh, to your question about the hologram in the barn, I believe that was Pepper's Ghost, a stage effect popular in the 1800s in which a hidden actress projects onto an angled sheet of glass to create the illusion of a ghost. Right. So that's that's what they did, apparently. That um, explains a little bit about the cellar yeah. and why they were down there. Um, uh, he also said... Um, uh, about the windmill about why he's not at a windmill anymore. oh yeah and he said as regards to the windmill it used to be maintained by a local charity and open to the public but the lease ran out in 2009 and the windmill closed with substantial repairs needed when my wife and i visited a few years ago it had definitely seen better days e.g the well next to it had collapsed oh i did see in the news earlier this year that the owners are looking to convert it into a family home so i don't think we'll be seeing the windmill ever again unfortunately so that Aww. that makes sense he obviously um, Rennick's hand was forced a little. Was bit forced there. in that that you can't live in a woman um, anymore. So, so uh, apologies for uh, for that particular. And thank um, you, Ben. Yes, Jonathan Creek you, Pilgrim. Absolutely. What a great um, commitment there. Fantastic. Marvelous. So yeah, so there we go. Uh, as counted, there's three left. So we'll be back again this time next week for the next episode in season five. Uh, and we will be here for our Any Requests podcast on Thursday when we are looking at the films of the brilliant uh, uh, sort of early to mid 20th century film director Billy Wilder. So The Amazing. Apartment, Some Like It Hot, Sunset Boulevard, Sabrina, uh, Double Indemnity, Starlight 17, um, The Lost Weekend. So many amazing films. Um, so we're going to be talking all about his kind of career uh, and work uh there so uh, in the meantime uh you can get in touch with us uh we've asked quite a few legal questions again um yeah. so please oh there must be there must be lawyers out there there must be lawyers probably out there. busy being lawyers in they? france maybe we do have a lot of listeners in france yes maybe french we've got lawyers some french lawyers um so do do get in touch uh to let us know like how long um you know uh is it possible for for you to inherit a house in 24 hours and have the the, the ownership finalized in that time um uh what's the legality about going to the police and not pressing charges if you've been stabbed mm -hmm. um lots of things that we'd like you to answer and you can do that uh by getting in touch with us on twitter at macabre podcaster you can get in touch with us via email podcaster macabre at gmail.com 
you can get in touch with us on Facebook, like Ben did, uh, fb.me forward slash podcaster macabre. And you could, of course, like, share, subscribe, and listen to this podcast and to any requests on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. In the meantime, I have been David Shopland. And I've been Callum Hughes. And have a great week, everyone. Bye. Thank you.